Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Note to Self. Today we have a discussion with Alexander Spohr. Uh, Alex is a rapper and a creative entrepreneur. I've known him since we were 14 in high school. Uh, we've run a couple businesses together, including a, a video business, a web development agency. Um, but today we're going to talk about creative entrepreneurship and his journey from being a rapper who didn't want to be known to now releasing his first album this month. So sit back and enjoy the second episode of Note to Self. Welcome, Hi. Alex. Um, this you. is uh, Note to Self. You, uh, you're obviously a huge fan. Mm. Um, I'm such a huge fan, I thought of the name. There you go, that's yeah. true, actually. Uh, sort of, partially. I, I discussed your history in entrepreneurship a little bit in the intro. Yeah. And now we're here. We uh, are. To actually talk about it. Um, and I want to kind of kick it off by giving you a chance to... Defend myself? To defend yourself <laughs> from the allegations. You're right. <laughs> nice. Of the women. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. No, uh, no give you a chance to give your own uh, introduction a little bit. Because I can, I can give a factual introduction, but I wasn't there for all of it. I was there for a lot of it, hmm. uh, but I wasn't there. Yeah. I wasn't in the recording studio. I wasn't behind the camera. I wasn't editing. Um, so yeah, if you want to take us through your history in creative entrepreneurship a little bit. Wow. Um, well, where do I start? You know, my parents met each other. Uh, <laughs> no, I. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So I've been um, I've been entrepreneuring, if you will, for as long as I've not been. Uh, going to school and maybe even a little bit during it. Um, I didn't go to college after high school, which to American listeners might sound insane. Uh, here in Holland, it's it gives you less of a achterstand. Help me out. Um, yeah, college efficiency? isn't. Yeah, is well, no. <laughs> no that's not it. Well, yeah, uh, college is a less. It holds you back less. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think there's some overlap in between what college and high school have to offer to you. In America, here you're, you know, and I did, I did pretty high schooling, as did you. So uh, high school was done when I turned 18, or I had been 18 for a while, and then I was gonna turn 19. Um, and I've been doing a lot of freelance work in things that I liked to do, right. and sometimes still like to do. Um, you have to imagine, listener, that it's 2010 when I'm done with school and the financial crisis is... Was it 2010? Yeah. Jesus, eight years ago? That uh, feels like a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that... No, that's pretty much true. Yeah, yeah. That, no, yeah. it has to be true. If yeah. you were 18, that has to be true. That is true then, yeah. That's crazy. Um, I did a very low level of math. So. <laughs> <laughs> that helped. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so 2010 uh, and the economy was a shit show. And I was interested in video, but all uh, education for the video market was pretty TV-based. So uh, YouTube was coming up, but there wasn't a real YouTube community the way that it, you know, is there now. Actually, not a community. Uh, there was a bit of a community, but there was no market. Right. And there, there was, was no, no online. No, and there was no online video marketplace in the way that uh, there exists now. So for me to do what I wanted to do, 
going to college was actually maybe just not an option because there was no college for online video. As a matter of fact, there was no knowledge uh, about online Fair. video in the way that there is now. So, uh, and and to be clear, you weren't making movies. Um, no, necessarily, you weren't like film school wouldn't have helped you. If I wouldn't w- would have wanted to make movies yeah. or TV, yeah. But I wanted yeah, to yeah, but not for what you were doing. At the time. No, I wanted to convey a message through video. I wanted to say something with video. I wanted to make people laugh. Um, I thought comedy was uh, great. I still do. Uh, Back then, I thought it was so great that I wanted to devote every waking hour to making people feel something through video and usually laugh. So that's what I focused on. And that's how I got into a sort of habit of doing things my way. Obviously, now it's 2018, and there is a market for pretty much every single thing we had to do oh, yeah. our way back then. So things have changed, but that's how I got into this. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I became who I uh, am professionally. Right. Yeah, that's how I got here. So that's that's from the YouTube um, perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also a musician. Yeah. Uh, I remember way back in the day when we were doing video and we were making music videos for mm. rappers. <laughs> Uh, that there was a time when you didn't want it mentioned to the rappers that you were also yeah. uh, a rap artist. Yes. Uh, now that's a little bit different. You're releasing an album on the 24th of October. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, how is that? H- how has that process been from a time where maybe you know you were young, you were doing uh, video for other people, for other artists? How's that been to go from there to now releasing an album, doing your own stuff? And how do you find um, the balance between wanting to do creative entrepreneurship, which for you has been video, then a magazine, uh, and now uh, as an artist? Like, mm-hmm. how, how has that changed how you look at it and how's that process been? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off then maybe a little bit with an Eminem quote, uh, a oh recent boy. one too. In his voice too? Uh, that's all I can do. <laughs> no, but, um, uh, and I should say, should say I had a father uh, who was passed away now, but my father was of such a different generation that the, the father son relationship was very different to right. what I think most people might've had. Might be interesting to the listener. How old was your father? Yeah, so my father was 60 years old when I was born and 81 yeah. years old when he passed away. And, um, but then still this quote sort of still, um, makes sense. I, I, as a kid, I was brought up in a very small, um, village, but my parents are city people to put it mildly. Um, and they wanted to live on the countryside or my father did, uh, at his old age. My mother's a bit younger, obviously for, um, for you to happen. Yeah, for me to happen, required, for me yeah. to be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he wanted to spend his uh, older days on the countryside. He thought we later right. moved back to the city. But. Right, of course. So I grew up um, a very different child and to a very different household to most of my uh, peers. Right. Um, age, what do you call it? People my age, yeah. kids my age. So I got bullied a lot. And Right. Because um, you were you went to school primary yeah. school you were living in the countryside yeah was the school in a village or in a city no it was, it was down the street oh it was down the street yeah it was down okay. the street i'd walk to my school and then I'd, you know 
Right. Get a few punches and walk back home. Right, cool. But that's what it felt like. That's how I remember it. Obviously, there was just also the school aspect of it, but none of that was memorable enough. Sure. What I remember is just being feeling so alone and secluded. And my parents, well, my, my, yeah, okay. So there's another part of this story where, you know, my parents hadn't known each other for that long before they got me. Right. Um, and my, yeah, they really wanted to still have the possibility to have a bit of their romantic life and explore each other. Of course. Um, so I had a lot of au pairs. Right. Which, okay. would, yeah, nannies, if you yeah. will. Uh, and then they would swap out every couple of years and they would be from different countries. They'd be from sure. like Romania or Slovakia or whatever. Right. And, um, and for some reason, and th- th- I'm going to get back to that Eminem quote now because this resonated with me. It sort of feels like hip hop was my dad. That's the quote. Right. And um, because it made me feel understood in a situation where n- I felt m- misunderstood by right. everyone, including my own parents. Because you go home and you you have you know you're this child, but then you go to school where you can't be that child, so you have to adapt but you can't because you don't know how and then you go back home and they're like ah they're you know all those kids right. are just jealous of you and should sure. we go talk to the school board and you're like no that's going to make it that's way worse and then they more. go talk to the school board and it makes right. it way worse and in between and the, you know and then you switch schools I went to an international school which is why I can speak English this way <laughs> um, but then, and then I went there and then two years after that I started getting bullied again right at the international school yeah okay. which is also actually where I f- only there did I find out about rap music right so wasn't it wasn't necessarily a big thing in your no i because my parents couldn't introduce me to that because i was you know every morning it was classical music yeah and then uh, a conversation about world politics and history at six you know so there's like not not ideal for no no hippity hop yeah no not very rap um even though which back then was pretty political but that's got to be for for a Rap artist, that's got to be a very different... Like, this is not the standard rap artist no. childhood, you'd say. No. Even though there's a disconnect between you and your parents and them wanting to maybe spend time doing other things than yeah. um, raising a child at that point, it's very different than what most artists might have gone through. Maybe. I think, though, there is a similarity in that the art form and the artists spoke to me, or that's what it felt like, especially yeah. Eminem at the time, which is like the one, you know... yeah white rapper sure you know so all my uh international school white children friends only knew eminem so i only knew eminem right um but the the there was something in the way he spoke uh he's well actually he spoke about emotions i didn't know how to word so he uh, listening to rap music i think for me obviously you know the context might have been different but i think the um, dynamics of it are pretty similar. You feel isolated or you feel sure. like you feel misunderstood. And all of a sudden there's this artist out there uh, that somehow can translate what you feel into words. And that's powerful. To, to be able to express yourself through words is, is a, you know, when you can't, yeah, is feels very powerful, especially as a child. Um, and obviously to be able to relate to someone older than you makes you feel like you're not insane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, and you're not just being a kid. You're it's, not just it's being actual emotions and actual yeah. It's actually it's sort of validation of the fact that hey, uh, it's not because I am actually like you know you sort of feel like a fucking lunatic because everyone yeah. seems so normal all the time. Sure. And then there's you just getting beat on. <laughs> right. Um, 
you know and then at school it's like oh you're not normal fuck you and then you go home and my mother especially she's like oh you're not normal that's great you know what i mean and it's right and then what is normal and yeah this this turned into a huge complex later on in, in my sure. life but that's how i got to rap music and hip-hop so to finally get to answering your question what's that transition like when I started writing music myself, and I was a kid, mm -hmm. I immediately wanted to do the same thing because I, I, I wanted to take those words and, I, you know, I wanted to be able to express myself in the same way. And um, that obviously started off as a sort of therapeutic thing to do. Right. So I would go home and as to where maybe when I didn't know about rap music, I would go draw a horse. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now I would... Describe a horse. <laughs> you would rhyme about I a horse. I would rhyme horse with uh, horse, but not the, the animal, but the, the yeah. throat. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So. Um, That's when you know a rhyme is good. When right. You have to when explain it's a, it. Yeah. yeah. Or whores. There you go. At, yeah. No, but I, I. So I would. Music used to be something for me. Right. And then at a later age, obviously, um, you get introduced to the, to the whole. Well, to work life and to careers and. Yeah. all these extra things come at you and then obviously um it sounds like it would make sense to turn that thing that you do instinctively into a job yeah which i think for a lot of people especially in our generation has sort of become a thing where they might be able to make money with their hobbies so mm. they decide this is what i really want to do we've been told to do what you want to do what you know yeah. what you like and what you love yeah i really so want to turn it into a job immediately pretty much um I I really, to be honest, I really didn't right. want to turn it into a job because I didn't understand, first off, I didn't understand what that would entail, if that is the right word, um, mm -hmm. what, what, that would m what that would mean for the process of making music. And I've, I've, I found this out by, um, yeah, this is also not a very typical rapper story, but when I was really young, some uncle I met once um, right. lost his gay lover, hung himself, and then put a bunch of money into my bank account. I did not know that part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just knew the money and the uncle part. Yeah. Not the gay lover part. He hung himself because his gay lover passed away. It was really sad about that. And uh, I, I can imagine if your lover passes away to be really sad. Yeah, me too. I wouldn't hang myself, I think. but I wouldn't give my nephew like a, a good amount of money. No. Well, actually, it, t it turned out maybe it wasn't. It was a good amount of money, but it might have not been a good thing for me. No, okay. Because right. I w I lived as a child and as, as a teenager in deep isolation. Um, even though I I knew how to be social, so a lot of people would think like, "Oh man, you're such a social kid. You know how to talk to everyone." And right. it's like, yes, it's become because I'm a fucking psychopath, and I figured out how humans work. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So th th there you're was good a, at faking it. I'm very uh, yeah. I I find myself. Uh, disturbingly skilled at this right um and because i had a conversation about this yesterday and i think you'll 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 f find yourself in this as well um my basic instincts couldn't save me yeah as a child so instead of listening to my gut feeling i have spent most of my youth learning how to um see my gut feeling as a piece of information in context to to other things sure. happening i've i've learned actually how to act on 
other things than than my gut feeling than my gut feeling and maybe at a later age even only doing things that felt wrong right <laughs> Be- because there's yeah. at some point you develop the sense like it's man ratio over over gut feeling over yeah. instinct at some point it obviously it becomes there's an emotional part to it too because some at some point you right. become so I, I still have trouble with this today i become so flustered sometimes when um I, yeah, sometimes I have a, a gut reaction to something or an instinct that I'm not that I'm uncomfortable with because it's new to me, mm-hmm. and my first response to a new instinctive urge is to go, "Whoa, man, this will most likely fuck me up some way. I need right. to learn how to deal with this." Yeah, yeah. And after this podcast is over, I will tell you <laughs> what my most recent uh, encounter with this uh, sure. was. But, um. So, oh yeah. So when when I got when I turned eighteen, I got a huge sum of money, and I used it to extend that. Well, to do two things. One, it it just allowed me to not have to immediately go into the workforce. I did do work because I wanted mm-hmm. to. I wanted to, but it allowed me to not have to collaborate with people. Um, that, in, yeah, that made me feel isolated. You could do the work you wanted to do without really needing to make the most profit. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it allowed me to live in isolation to the right. extent I wanted to, which is yeah. actually something I had to learn how to not do. Right. But then you have all the means to do it to for do it anyway. much longer. Yeah. Mm. So I spent uh, the start of my well, the, the, yeah, the point where you could say that a um, aspiring rapper might want to turn his rap thing into a job. I spent right. that learning m- more about myself and really actually just still perfecting the craft and trying to figure out how why i'm like why the like Mm. why do i why do all these songs come to me that i fucking hate when i'm done with them and then why you know i'm just trying to figure out like what is it within me that's making me so that makes it so hard for me to just i guess i had trouble creating um sure to a degree but i had much more trouble releasing you don't like, say. Yeah, publishing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, to the point where I just couldn't. I yeah. couldn't publish something that um, came from my, that purely came from emotion. So I could write a song and people would fucking love it. They'd be like, mm. oh, this is so relatable, yada, yada, yada. And I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, but this is this yeah. is how I feel. And how I feel is a very problematic yeah. thing for me. So yeah. Um, so it's having to split the emotions from the product, really. mm I couldn't do that at the start. And then transitioning to this point where I can. Yeah. Um, yeah, how do you get here? Man, that process is long. There's, there's, oh, yeah. No, yeah, there's no amount of time we could be talking to cover the whole thing. But it's a very slow... Okay, so this is subjective because I'm, I'm right. sure this is different for everyone. But f- for me... I've had the time. I ran out of money, by the way, at some point. So yeah. I got broke, and then I had to work and whatever. Sure. Which threw me into a couple of situations where, you know, at some point you run into that point where someone you think is a friend really fucks you over right. for a career move, mm-hmm. which is something I really had to learn. Um, and I, so, so, yeah, actually that struggle of being... Uh, like everyone else and being financially dependable on everyone else 
got me to a point where uh, through trial and error and um, time, I found a way to balance myself. And for me, the, the way to balance myself is still a rational thing, but I've gotten to a point in my head and in my mind and in my understanding of myself, other people and life, uh, where I'm aware of the fact of how insignificant all of it is, including my emotions. Okay. And including other people's perceptions of my emotions and mm. including the start and end of my life and sure. <laughs> that of you everyone mean around me. insignificant on the whole spectrum of the world yeah. and the universe existing. Well, I, I, well, easier than that, just outside of how I feel right now. Because I feel there, there's this, um, you know, th th there are moments where uh, I'm writing a song and I'm feeling it and I'm letting it out. And I feel those emotions very deeply. And then maybe a day later, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, this is garbage. And then maybe right. three days later, I'm listening to it, and it's like, oh, this really speaks to me. Sure. And that's obvious because through talking to people and through your relationships with people, you you know, there's all these different dynamics. And when you and I talk, it puts us in a, in a mode. Sure. And then I talk to, you know, a, another friend, and that puts me in a mode. And maybe that mode, that version of myself, that yeah. imbalance... Um, makes me relate to the song in a different way because all of a sudden I'm yeah. on the opposite side of it. It's all about the context in which it's you listen a very, to it and when you create Yeah, and so I sort of, I, I've, I've learned how to see life in a similar way where it's like, okay, but all of those contexts are all, well, A, subjective and B, not, for that reason, not objectively true and C, um, you know, why? Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? I don't feel because that's and maybe it does to you, obviously, because um, we all matter to ourselves and things matter to us because if they didn't, you know, we'd all be dying. Things need to matter. We need to be motivated yeah. and, and moved to do a thing. But for me, um, I've actually found solace in the fact that it doesn't. Right. Um, and that allows me to once a song has been made mm -hmm. or even it, when I'm still making it to just go like okay yes this is coming from this is when you're writing a song it doesn't come from you really that's what i feel sure. like when you're rhyming words that's you going through a dictionary or a rhyme zone sure, dot com sure. or whatever but when you're doing a song uh you you know you might be looking for rhyme words but the words you pick even say something about how you're feeling sure. there, there's a subconscious thing to it yeah. so now when i'm writing a song um I just let it out and then I'm, and I don't even have to agree with all the shit I said sure. finally <laughs> for me to go like okay but but it's real yeah it's what you're feeling at that it's moment it's what I felt and it's what yeah. and maybe no one else feels through. that way but that's as insignificant as both our deaths will be you know what I mean like that sounds pretty dark it's uplifting well <laughs> it's not but I, I don't see it in a dark way it actually gives me a lot of um it actually puts my mind to rest sure well it allows you to do it anyway yeah. I mean, if, if it's all insignificant, then there's no need to put any pressure on it, right? There's yeah. no need to care too much about it. And I I have the same thing. That's initially why I started this podcast is mm. to, and why I'm not editing it, right? Why I'm not going back and saying, Wait, oh, what, what you're I- You're not editing this? Exactly. <laughs> why I'm not going back and saying, oh, what I said there, I'm not sure I completely agree with because yeah. it's what I 
felt at the time. Yeah. And it's what rolled out of my mouth. It's what came from my brain at that point and it rolled out of my mouth. So I must have agreed with it to some extent and I meant something with it. Yeah. So I'm going to put it online. Um, I can obviously go back. I can write a whole script and, you know, make it perfect and make it, make it, make me seem like the person that I want people to see. Mm. Right. I can be exactly who I want you or anyone else to be, but that's, that wouldn't be honest and it wouldn't be me. So that's for the same reason that you're saying, well, it's insignificant. So I can let it roll now and it's just going to be there. Even if I disagree with it later, Yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing here and notice as well for me that that's the only way I can do this. Yeah. Cause if I were to go back, like every word I say and every sentence I say can be, can be insulting to someone can be misconstrued, misconstrued yeah. can be taken out of context and suddenly I'm a dick, right? Or you, no, but it, you can, Not you can suddenly buddy. Oh, fair enough. I'm more of a dick than I already am. <laughs> um, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, and if I keep that in mind too much, when you're editing this or when you're recording this, you're never going to get to a point where you're okay. This is perfect. We can release it because mm. it will never get there. It's never done. No. And that's the risk I'm taking. And I think, <laughs> These days, that's risk everyone's taken by throwing everything on Twitter, for example. Sure. You don't really edit yourself. You just throw it online. Someone else is not in that context, is not in that state of mind, misreads it, uh, misconstrues it, puts it on BuzzFeed, and, and your life is over. And a bunch of investors make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. but you know that, that happens. And then the same goes for a podcast, or I guess for music, is that if you take it out of the context, yeah, you can disagree with it. I think well, you, you have to be in the same mind state to maybe enjoy it or to fully understand it. Um, and that's obviously, you know. Well, there's also a second part to it, which I think might be true for both of us, which is I think both of us have um, at some point uh, found a sort of peace and serenity in our lives doing something we don't love in the moment. Yeah. And I, th for me, having the realization that th then that is as varied as it's going to get, you're just going to, be mute all the time yeah <clears throat> if that's the flip side to doing something you love and then hating the outcome of it some right. of the time it's really the same thing yeah it's but the, but the muted version is um you know just doing something you're okay with and then just being okay with everything that's the way to go about it sure sure and it's actually probably more sustainable yeah it's more level yeah so that's for roller coaster yeah but, but then also, there's yeah. also yeah you have to be the person who can do that though uh like you definitely to, that that has to fit you 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 well, can't it's ironic that both of us would reach a point in our lives where we have that yeah to well not ironic but i mean you know and then you you're at that point you're like ah finally and then you realize in the moment at least yeah. for me i'm like okay cool this is it what now yeah and then might be an age thing, to be honest. Probably. Because we're, you know, we're both 25. Yeah. I don't want to be that comfortable yet. I don't want to be that no. satisfied or happy. Because if I'm that happy, like, not, not happy. It's not, happy is not the word. If I'm that content mm. and okay and fine at 25. What's there to do? Well, nothing's going to push me to do anything else. No. I'm content. Why, why would I reach for anything else? Mm. And I haven't. And then at the end, I know I'll be dissatisfied with what I've done. Because well, it's fine for now, and it'll be consistently fine until I realize, hey, I've never really done the great thing that as a like 12 or 13-year-old, I was like, oh, I'm going to change the world. I'm going <laughs> to well, put a ding in the universe, right? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the new yeah. Steve Jobs without, yeah. The, yeah. You know, without being a huge asshole. 
And then when you're fine all Which the maybe time. Which maybe within this context, he had to be to do all the all that stuff. Maybe. Yeah. Like, like Hard to judge. Wasn't there for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, read the but, biography, but well, that's the, only going to give you so much. There, there's also that. It's If we're talking about recontextualizing, if you get to that point where you f- find a way to have balance in that mute way of living, yeah, then... That is still if you ch- if you choose to go okay this forever now, at some point you're gonna run into the end of your career and you've gonna you're gonna have been out of balance for so long you're gonna have listened to one side of yeah. yourself for so long that at some point you the other side is gonna come in screaming right yeah. a little bit and that's that it's that other side of you that goes yeah but. Yeah, you never well, did the thing. It, it do, I don't think it has to be like that. That makes it sound very unhealthy, no, or very difficult. But it doesn't have to be. I, I think my my dad is one of the my largest examples of a person who made all the good choices. I'm mm. not going to say he made all the right choices, but he made all the good person choices. Responsible, all the responsible choices. choices. Yeah. He, so my my dad um, went to. Um, he he grew up on a farm, right? Yeah. My grandparents are, are farmers. Most of my family still has something to do in that world. Yeah. Like my uncle um, used to be a farm realtor. So he would sell people farms in France and stuff like that. And then he was a bull Christ. seaman. Jesus. Salesman. salesman. It was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad grew up there. He went to um, uh, gymnasium, so, uh, which is gymnasium, but that's not how it's really yeah. translates. It's the highest level of high, high school, school education that you can get. Yeah. We both did that for a couple of years and then got kicked the fuck out. Right. Um, he did that, went to university, studied law. And then there came a point in his life where he had to decide. He was also a guitar player. Hmm. So from the age of 19, he played guitar a lot. And then there was a point in his life where he had to decide... Am I going to be a guitar player? Am I going to go be in a band and try to be famous? Hmm. Or am I going to do law? Am I going to be a lawyer? Am, you know, he became a professor, etc. He chose for law because that's the good thing to do. Because he was, it was super sustainable. It was pretty safe. Um, he was able to raise a family off of that. Yeah. He became a he became incredibly successful in what he's doing. Um, international business law became professor, became the dean of law in, in, in Utrecht. All great things. And now he's retiring. Actually, he has retired by now. He's, he's 69. He's turning 70 this year, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. Um, yeah, he is. And now he's retired. He's gone back to playing the guitar. Of course. Yeah. Right? So you could say, like, for him, what he's done is he take, he's taken the safer option in life for a lot of his time and he was really good at it so i think for him the way to make that doable yeah. is to just excel well there's also be really great at it and then al- now he's done there's also the matter of what comes to you because uh, to i'll make the um comparison between his music and my music and then his right. law and my video i'm very good at video right i could make a living doing video right i could probably have become had i chosen that path uh I could have become a pretty good director. Sure. Um, writer, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, I can just make people angry on the internet with stupid virals that'll make yeah. me money. <laughs> you know? So, and, and also, it's a people's industry. So, right. um, which I think I think goes from for 
institutionalized practices as well it's a people's thing yeah at heart and then there's obviously the thing you gather around which is law mm-hmm. or video in this case in my case now to, to me doing the going the people's route mm-hmm. doesn't come natural no it as a matter of fact it is for to me the most unnatural um uncomfortable thing in the world to do because i honest to god would love to be able to collaborate with people right in ways that i just i'm you just can't i can now i can right. f- i can but i can fake it yeah so it but costs, not naturally it costs a lot of energy yeah i remember this very well i was doing video for a while and i th- had this company with a friend right uh named eric mm. and we had a couple of conversations where where i would think that he was a complete asshole for saying these things, but I'm starting to get it a little bit better now. We'd we'd have done some production work, and we we'd have you know we talked to people, gone to companies, and then I'd get sick. I'd right. like actually sick, like I'd get a fever, and I'd I would just be exhausted and just t- chasing my own till all the time. And mm-hmm. he'd go like, "How is that possible? I never get sick. I'd like, wh- wh- is it just is it?" Like, do you not have enough vitamins? You you should go see a doctor. Like, what, what what's going on? Like, why can't you do this? And yeah. I, I felt horrible about that. And only years later, I realized it's because to you, you're you're doing this and you get energy from it yeah. because it's it's a natural flow for you. For me, all of this is a huge effort. Yeah, every single thing we do for me is just so hard. Yeah, and for you, it's just so easy. Yeah, that's what I had with uh, so we ran a uh, for a couple months, we ran a web development uh, mm. firm, and you we and had, I, yeah, yeah, you and I, yeah, uh, and we <laughs> yes, had we did we had that for for every meeting that we had with a client mm. at the exact same thing, where we had we'd have had the meeting, and normally that should be uplifting, yeah, right, especially when it's acquisition meetings where you're like oh shit we're can you know we we have this client it's gonna be great, yeah, and after every meeting I'd be happy with how things have gone but exhausted because yeah. you would be there for an hour, hour and a half, just same playing that role and really putting the effort into, into that social aspect. Yeah. I think for me, that's obviously why I went into software development, sit behind a computer with my headphones on. Yeah. That's me. Well, then also we had, of course, during that time when we were doing that company, um, we had a third partner at some point. Yeah. And we, at some point got a lot of clients via him. Oh yeah, via him. Now he has a very different character, absolutely, uh, to the both of us. And I think that also just attracts very different people. So I, because yeah. I remember very well doing meetings with him, and I know he's not the easiest guy either. I know that, but like his, the people that he, the way that he would communicate with people would uh, be so out of whack for me. Like mm-hmm. I'd really have to. But those meetings were closer to me even than to you. I, I yeah. remember because I remember at some point you tapped out sort of. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't be a part of it. No. No. And fucking rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, and, and to, no, um, uh, to no fault of either no. any of us, not him, not you, no. not me. Um, but that was, yeah, so that that's very, that's a very... Um, but I remember that time as being similar to that. It's just it takes yeah. so much energy that you can't do your actual work. Mm. That's and I, that's always been the part of freelance work. So I've recently started freelancing again. That's always been the part of freelance work that I find the most difficult, like doing my job, 
doing the programming that comes natural to me that's very easy i'm really good at it nowadays that's fine talking to clients sending emails setting up meetings yeah exhausting yeah that's just exhausting and it takes so much more energy than doing the actual work yeah and i'm really bad at it too like i'll i'll move a meeting eight to nine times hoping that they cancel on me because you know i just don't want to be a part of it but that's that's also probably why so yeah i think that's why your father was able to make that decision to go do law yeah. because to some degree he got more energy out of it than it cost yeah him. yeah and it's uh, it must have been sustainable because that's absolutely. actually the thing we, we we think of it as the responsible thing to do because sure. it's sustainable but yeah. if you think about it doing what he did for either of us would not be sustainable, be sustainable at all no it does have to suit you yeah. um but wanted to use that more as an example of someone who did mm. who had the um, weird choice of making music and going down the creative route and doing the safer thing which is a you know a proven if he does this he can get a good job he can make good money yeah he excelled at it which i think for him made it way more possible and way more doable because mm. i think he's the kind of person who needs to excel at something like if he's gonna do something, something he better be doing it right, because otherwise there's no reason to do it, right? Yeah. Um. So that I think that made it possible, but it's so funny to see him now after all those years. He's retired. He's really done with work. Finally, completely done. And I remember him saying to me, "He's like, I'm done now. Like I don't have to do it anymore, and I really don't want to do it anymore." Hmm. And I'd never heard him say that about his job because he was he loved his job. He was really good at it. He loved it. He was. He, he worked more than I've seen anyone really work. But then he was done with it. He's like, I'm really done with it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm retired. And it's not that, like, it's not they're allowing me to retire and now I'm just going to do it a little bit. No, he's done, done. He's finished. And moved into making music. And he's doing music the exact same way that he did Law. Yeah. He's, I think he's on his third album or something uh, that he's released since he retired. Uh, which is amazing two or three of which are solo albums and he's done an album with his old band yeah and he's recording carnival songs like it's incredible but it's so like it's that creative part that then comes out again yeah well that's he's he's done his grind for this long and now he's like he's doing his creative part and it's it's hilarious to see and it it, nothing has made me as happy as to see him release an album because it's so you know, you've seen a man work his entire life and then he does something that he absolutely loves. You're like, ah, this is yeah, the thing. This is so you. This is so what well, you love. That's actually, yeah, that's actually what I meant when I said that other side, that other voice is going to come back screaming yeah. is, is that. And it does, uh, screaming sounds negative, but... That's mostly, yeah. If, you, if you're, and I've learned this from being a bit of a social psychopath sure. um, and from talks to my therapist, by the way, which... <laughs> Which I just a little side note. Shout out to all therapists. Well, no, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say all therapy is good. I wouldn't say all therapists are good. Um, But in our society, man, dude, it's your brain. Yeah. Uh, There's always this comparison, like, oh, if you you know, if you go to, if you break your leg, you go to the doctor too, right? It's not like that, man. It's like, uh, I'd say therapy is. Um, I'd say talk talking to your friends. It's compared to food. Talking to your friends and the people in your immediate surrounding that that you s- sort of know what are going to say to you is like fast food. Sure. And I'd say that going to therapy every once in a while 
is like seeing a dietitian. It's like going vegan, man. It's not like going vegan. <laughs> Definitely no. Maybe that's, for you. That's how it's always felt to me. Is like you cut out, you cut out all the bullshit. Yeah. And that's. Like, well, I yeah. So I wouldn't say going vegan cuts out all the bullshit per se. That, that, this is how it feels for me. I know, I know, because you've, you've gone vegan. Yeah. Well, I haven't gone vegan. Oh. But um. Vegetarian. Somewhat, yeah. Hmm. I try to eat meat once a week now, and no more. That's and, great. I used it, to. Lo- it, it feels like being honest with yourself because you're like, I, there's no reason to eat meat anymore. There's no way for me to defend eating meat right now. Morally, there's no way. Um, yeah, I feel what you're saying. So doing that feels like like finally being honest with yourself, and that's what therapy was as well. It's like, okay, cool. I've I've done this act now to everyone. Look, I'm fine. Or yes, I have this issue, but I'll be fine. Mm. And then you go to a therapist, and you're like, I'm not fine. Yeah. <laughs> like here's really what's going on like this is what's actually actually yeah. happening well that's the thing a therapist you analyze it not me i'm just uh, telling you well that actually that's it a therapist a good one will not lie to you mm-hmm. they'll be careful with you but they won't lie to you your no. friends oh they'll with lie all to you. yeah oh with all good intent but they will lie their ass off I, that's also the difference between a good friend and yeah. uh, a lesser good friend like obviously if you don't know someone that well they're gonna say what you want to hear but a good friend will tell you no yeah. that's not and also they'll tell you no when it matters yeah because sometimes it's good to we do this so yeah, often we hear we had this conversation the other day we let each other you know say some bullshit yeah. and then we think to ourselves well this is obviously some bullshit yeah but i know you'll come back to it in two months because you will go through the process and then two months later you know we come back to each other and it's like hey yeah. remember that thing i was yeah that was some bullshit sometimes it takes a year or two yeah. But there's also no, there's often no point in, in telling someone that, no. like in, in saying you're talking some bullshit because they're convinced that, that what they're yeah. doing is right. Yeah. They're going to do it and people need to make mistakes and yeah. you can give them advice. Of course. If they ask for your honest opinion, you best give it. Yeah. Um, but I think being a good friend is giving the advice you think they need to hear yeah. and then being fine with them not following it all. Yeah. Because it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. And they need to go through that process of yeah. learning how to deal with it. We got here via a detour because I, I started about therapy. But we got everywhere. Yeah, we got everywhere. <laughs> we went all over the map. Well, I, I, I guess I just want to quickly maybe take it back to, because um, obviously you want you wanted this to be a show about creative entrepreneurship. Creative entrepreneurship, yes. And, um, I'm just thinking how I got to the therapy part because we were talking about your father. Yeah. And then we were drawing comparisons about the two. About that about other side of you coming yeah, back. Oh, so the, yeah, so this is... Oh, I remember where I <laughs> went off the rail. Well, I, I started this off by saying uh, I've learned something from being a, a social psychopath. Right. And that's that. Um, and then... And so there's this thing my therapist told me. I asked my therapist at some point about the... Um, there's this saying. It's mm-hmm. an English saying. Dutch people don't say it. Uh, which is, every man grows up to marry his own mother. Sure. And I, at some point in my previous relationship, um, I sort of started, we talked about this before. I was like, Jesus Christ, there are some, um, Mm -hmm. comparisons to be made characteristically speaking between my girlfriend and my mother. Yeah. I, as soon as you know, you're like, fuck, now I really need to know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Like, am I going, is it because of this? Am I, you know, am I reaching here? What's going on? So I asked my therapist, like, what is that? And she explains a concept to me that I found very interesting. And it also set off a, 
a train of thought that helped me understand all my relationships much better. And what mm -hmm. she said, and I will take this back to creative entrepreneurship. Cool. Um, what she, <laughs> what she said was, well, the, the, the reason uh, we perceive that and the reason that actually it's true in a way is that when you grow up, especially the, the early years of your life, you, I, I probably have told you this before, you um, have two parents to mimic and you mimic their responses because that's what you do. That's how you learn. Yeah. And some things they will agree on, right? They will, they will deal with some things in the exact same way and we might perceive those things to be absolutely true. Just sure. undoubtedly. For some reason, those things hold true to us. That response to that situation is just, that's just the way it is. Because we've seen it, that's both voices in our head agree on that, in a mm -hmm. sense. And she, so, yeah, so my therapist says, well, you know, there's, there's some overlap between that and the way you communicate with people. You know, on at the basis of who you are, you sort of have these two, if you have two parents that raise you, obviously. Sure. Um, you have two examples to pull from um, when you're trying to respond to something. There's mom's right. way, and it's 2018. So, and there's there's other mom's way. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. or dad's way or other dad's other way. Other parents. Whatever. Other parents' way, yeah. Parent and other parents. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and she goes, you know, if, if, you, if you're with, a, you can be attracted physically to a lot of different people and sure. for a lot of different reasons. But when we're talking about relationships and longevity and sticking to someone, there are, there are going to be some people that you know how to waltz with, how to dance with. Sure. And the, 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 the social theory is that um, it's easier to dance with someone who is like your mom or like right. your dad because you can automatically fall back in playing the other position. Yeah, yeah, you understand that pattern and you know how to... Not only that, but I, with the girlfriend equivalent of my mother, right. I can just be my father and I won't have to think right. about that, right? Okay, fair. And actually, yeah. I actually was experiencing that before she explained to me. I was like, wow, I'm really starting to look more and more like my dad in right. a lot of ways. And I hadn't thought about it within the context of my relationship until I was like, ooh, wow, she's, yeah. my, she's my mother. And then I went, ah, but I'm not my father. And right. th the longer that relationship lasts, right. I was like, fuck, I am my father. Yeah, because you fall into a role that you understand, that you, understand. That you know, and you've experienced already. Not only do you understand it, but it's like, well, this, it also just feels truer, right? Sure. It just sort of feels true. Yeah, cause but that's because it comes natural to you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then uh, th this sort of, social theory sort of spun off in my head and through conversation with other people I started realizing oh but obviously every relationship is that is is what every relationship is waltzing sure and understanding that um, on a purely conceptual level sort of makes it easier for myself to explain why I'm really good with people because mm -hmm. I'm really good at pretending that I'm other people sure so and if you combine that with understanding someone's perspective or motives, you can sort of just be the other half right. of that or you mirror them. Yeah. Um, you know, people that aren't that aware of that effect, they go, wow, everything comes so natural to you. And it's like, no, 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 no. no. All, this is all a puppet show. Right. It's all analyzing and then right. adjusting for it. And then I had this conversation with uh, a friend 
about groupthink, being mm-hmm. part of a group, and being solo, pretty much. Sure. And so my theory goes, um, you know, being alone allows you to tap into every different aspect of yourself. Yeah. Which is when you're being creative, you can either write a love song about how much you love that one girl, and then the next day, you, you know, alone, secluded, you might write a song about how you want to murder your, you know, entire family, whatever. Sure. Because you can tap into... St- that's because normally that's, what I do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's such a range of emotion within one person. Right. Uh, you're going to be contradictory. Right. And you're, you're you know, you, you take on a role when you're with with one mm-hmm. other person. So there's days when we hang out where I, where the, the moment we meet, I know like, oh, this is going to be comfortable or this is going to be uncomfortable. Because yeah. I start off and I'm like, oh, I'm in this yeah, mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we meet and you're not in the mode I need yeah. you to be. And it's just like, fuck, this is going to be exhausting. But we yeah. said we do this and we, let's go have coffee. You know, and yeah. it's just sort of cla- like being in modes that are too similar or too, just yeah. not, you know, we don't click. Now, for me, um, it, it's very easy to just play the, except for with you, because we're too honest yeah. with each other. Uh, but with most people, it's very easy for me to just analyze like what mm-hmm. are they, what mode are they in and then i'll just do the other thing yeah you just adjust you adjust in a one-on-one great yeah in a group in a group to to yeah. delude myself to one-sixth of a person to and to play <laughs> that position for for an extended period of time yeah oh <laughs> yeah because it's just an extended period of feeling dishonest mm-hmm. I, I know you have this as well well it's why i do do badly in groups mm. or why i get really i either get really quiet in groups because i'm like okay i can't adjust mm. or i get really dominant in groups because i'm like i can't adjust i'll just lead well that's you all adjust to me now because yeah. i can't adjust to you anymore yeah. so i'm just gonna I'm, at which I point though in a group of uh, six if you're like uh, there's if there's six other people yeah and then you're the seventh because it's like ah, i can't be one seventh i'll just force you all to be yeah one seventh well you either become the alpha um, yeah or you, or you disappear entirely that's yeah. kind of my you disappear or you are the other half of the entire group yeah i do notice with us which is funny um especially when it's groups that we don't know mm-hmm. we have this with our our third friend and ex-roommate yeah that whenever we're with friends of his we fall into the role of the outside in- entertainer yeah so you just I can't adjust to anyone because I don't know anyone and I'm not necessarily all that interested in getting to know anyone so I can adjust. Yeah. So I'll just play the role of the entertainer, the comedian who analyzes, yeah. makes a joke. Yeah. That's it. That's not a personality, by the way. You can't live like that. No. I mean, I guess she can be a comedian like that. You can't live like that, but it's a role that works really well for a couple hours. Yeah. And then you go home and you're like, I had no connection. It's just, I shot well, off some you, jokes. Can you imagine then... It kind of makes sense. Uh, um, Matthew Perry, who played Chandler Bing for 10 seasons. Yeah. And who got into depression and uh, mm-hmm. drug abuse. Alcoholism. Or yeah. Alcoholism. I can actually sort of imagine playing that guy who yeah. plays this role. Yeah. Because we, we, and I think we all find, see a lot of Chandler in ourselves and definitely have in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It's not a person. And it's also unsustainable. No. Oh, absolutely. The only thing that's sustainable, and okay, so this but is, it feels like a defense mechanism because it's it I'll keep everyone at a distance by making jokes because then they don't, you know, I don't have to actually interact and I have to actually get close. But I think it's a defense mechanism in the sense that uh, it it the other option 
is participating in a group dynamic. But yeah. if that hasn't really worked in your favor for an extended period of for fucking ever. Yeah. 25 years. Yeah. Then why the fuck? Like, yeah, how, why would we do it now? How the fuck would it work now? Yeah. Like you're not even, you're not skilled at that. You have no. 25 years of skill in doing this yeah. and then zero years of, and who the fuck is going to understand? Cause if, if you're not aware of social dynamics, the way mm -hmm. that you are, if you've been an outsider for so long, you're not going to get it, man. You're, you're, I'm no, not but maybe you don't like if if you haven't been an outsider for that long, you don't have to get it. You can just be a part of it. I well, think for a lot of people, for, that's what for I'm my ex-girlfriend, comes absolutely naturally. Yeah. She falls into a group and she, it just works. It just happens. For me, mm. absolutely not. There's just no way for me to to adjust to it quickly enough. Unless it's a group of friends, like we do these game nights. Yeah. Then it's so easy because I know exactly what relationship. I know my exact dynamic with everyone individually. Yeah. And it's easy enough to group that at that point because I also know my like I know my dynamic with everyone as a group by now. So it's super simple to just you know you laugh, you have fun, and it's fine. And I can just be myself and have an actual connection. Yeah. Even in a group at that point. Well, I think I think a group dynamic feels normal if all the relationships within those with all the one on one yeah. relationships within the group aren't dominated by the group thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If the group doesn't matter to the group, that's yeah. a nice group. As long as you can maintain your your own personality, yeah. your own connection with people, that works. That's why I go to and have called my album uh, Filtro, which is a cafe um, in The Hague, where that dynamic actually sort of sometimes. It kind of bums me out sometimes that I've been there so much now that I'm aware that when we go there together, I know everyone to a degree that you don't. And so all of a sudden I've become part of a group that you feel yeah. not a part of, which yeah. I fucking hate. That's also why I don't really go there anymore. No, I know. Cause I, but I've, I'm, I'm so it, bummed yeah. out by it. I know that group dynamic agree. exists there. And I just, yeah. as soon as I go there, I'm so aware of it. And I'm not a part of it. Mm. And I also don't want to be. Yeah. Like I'm so not looking for a new group. No. That, but I'm, I don't think I'm that there and it's either. there. I'm like, ah, no, okay, I'm I'm not I'm not into this. I I'm just yeah. gonna I'm out, right? Yeah. I leave or I don't I don't get there anymore. Which is interesting though, because I think all the people that go there or most um, have have feel the exact same way about all these things. It's just that when we because I'm there, mm -hmm. because I now all of a sudden have a relationship to all these people from an outsider's perspective. It's this cozy little group. Yeah. As to where when I go there, I don't really go, I don't really go there to go see all those people. I go because like oh fuck man, I want to see Jack. Or I know that Kimo's gonna be there. Or it's like I'm like all right, I want to spend three bucks on coffee. Whose pocket do I want to put yeah. this money into? And I, it's like okay, I'll go there. A friend. And Hopefully. then some yeah. And then sometimes there's no one. I just sit my ass down and usually get to know someone new. Right. And sometimes everyone's there. Actually, sometimes so many people I know are there. That I'm like ah, oh, I gotta go now. Yeah. I gotta I need actually to, work. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it took so much time to get here to this point. Mm -hmm. And I had so much freedom to go there every day when you went, you had to go to a job or whatever, yeah. um, in Amsterdam or, yeah. yeah. So that has sort of, that's my, that, that feels like my one group. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be a group. Anyway, to take I'll, it. To, I'll, we can circle this back to, yes. to creative entrepreneurship because- I, it, it might sound like everything that we talked about might sound very far from what we originally set out to talk about. Maybe. But I think it's not. Because I think a lot of the people who get into um, creative entrepreneurship and an entrepreneurship in general, where you are not the type of person who 
easily falls into a role like that. Mm. I know, so for the company that I was interviewing for in Amsterdam, the guy I spoke to, the CEO or the, the co-founder, that's the kind of guy who can be a CEO of a company because he's extremely social, very easy to talk to and very focused on what he's doing, right? Yeah. I think a lot of creative entrepreneurship happens um, with people it's a lot of people business the same even goes for a podcast like this at some point i'm gonna have to start talking to the right people to get it somewhere right yep. to market it to get that retweet or to, to get featured on another podcast to yep. get that shout out you have to talk to people yeah and i think a lot of creative entrepreneurship works that way an artist doesn't work if he's uh, if if you want to do it as a business if you if this is what you want to do for your you know if you want to make money with it it doesn't work in a vacuum it doesn't you can't just can't. make music release it online and ignore everything else you have to market yourself a little bit and that marketing part of it if that does not come natural to you sometimes and i have this with freelance web development um, i'm sure i'll have it with this uh, hopefully on a smaller scale that can ruin the entire thing for you yep because if you hate it that much or if it's that difficult to you, it the actual act of creating can become difficult to do because you're it tired. It can start feeling like a, a, a part of something you hate. Yeah. And at that point, and, and this is the, the thing that I've always known with web development, I like web development in a vacuum, right? Mm. I like building. Mm. I don't like talking to customers because it's the commercial side that I don't like because customers are always going to be wrong because <laughs> they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like... Um, talking to... Oh, they're going to be right about what they want. Oh, no, they're going to be absolutely right, but they're what... so wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't like... And, and that's commercial customers. Like, I build a product, people buy it. Then I don't like working with clients, freelance clients, because there's always going to be this connection they have to go. Like, they're always going to want to pay me less. I'm always going to want to make more money. We all want to do things differently. Yeah. You have to sell it to them. You have to work with them. That's tiring to me. I don't like that part. Don't like the acquisition part. So then you end up working for a boss and I hate that part too because yep. you're still working for someone, right? So in a vacuum, I love doing that job, but everything around it, I don't like, no. I actually hate. And it makes doing my job very tiring. It makes it very cumbersome. I don't like, I get up and I'm like, ugh. I preferably I would turn off all my connections to the outside world. I would open my laptop and I would just code. And then at some point it's done. And then I would just destroy it and I would go on <laughs> to the next thing because then I don't, I, I don't need feedback coming. from anyone. Oh. I don't have, I don't need anyone to give me a review. I don't need, no one needs to see it, but I've done it. That felt good on to the next thing. Yeah, they can make money that that's way. That's every song I made until the age of 22, I think. Right. But that's, I think that's yeah. for people who like to create and web development is not necessarily a creative thing, but you're still creating. And for people who like I to create as creative. Sure. It just, it's, it feels so far removed from the type of mindset that you need to create art in nah, a sense. I don't think, I actually don't believe it is. I think because, yeah, well, we can have it. To, to it, me, it, it's always felt the way it's very yeah. binary and it very also because that's the funny thing. It comes very natural to me because yeah. it's very analytical. It's very binary. It's very, uh -huh. you know, it's very black and white. That's yep. great. Whereas anything else that I've ever done is not that binary. People aren't that binary. Nothing is black and white. It's all a gray area and you have to kind of figure out how it works. Yeah. I think for a lot of people who, who do that, it might not come naturally and they might have can to... I, can I just comment? Yeah. Though, when you're writing a song, mm -hmm. everything has to be black and white as well. Really? Well, actually, because that's an aspect of writing a song is you can't um, write, research, record 
and make something unless you stand by it for an extended period of time. Sure. You can't go, right? right? I have that problem with songs where I'm like, oh man, I had this line the other day. Um, fuck it, I'm going to read it to you. Wait. I'm going to read it to you because I so don't agree with, with it at all. Okay. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of bullshit, but it is how I felt while writing it, right. while tapping into a very real emotion. And the lines go, right. and th- then we'll get back to to, to coding. Um, but just to show you how black and white it can be, um, I'll read you, yeah, the full setup to sure. the to the verse. Do you want me to lay down a beat? No. Okay, good. But the lines are. I got no goddamn agenda. What the fuck got in your pothead to not man the hell up? Dog, I'm out here taking shots bad. I got mad vendetta. I just thought we would have shot back and fought that together. But now you're making money off. But now you're making money off pay from the work that I did. And I ain't making fuck because I'm barking upside the hybrid. Get the fuck out. I put too much work in this shit to hide it. I hope they play this shit by your deathbed to rectify it. Which I don't stand by, obviously. It's a little dark. It's but it's real. That's good. Now you have to you have to be in a very black and white mind state. I mean, you know how fuck how, how much time goes into writing this rhyme scheme? Oh no, I get that. Okay, so so, so within the rules, like you have to be creative within certain rules. Yeah, like the rhyme confines. scheme has to work. Yeah. Um, I don't know music well enough to give you any other examples in that. <laughs> um, but but it's still a creative. Because I do it in writing as well. Like yeah. when I was writing or trying to write uh, a book, yeah. I did the exact same thing. It's like I have to be creative. So the storytelling part of it's creative, yeah. but it has to fit in these rules. Hmm. Writing an outline, I need six is, lines per what chapter. What is creative, man? I mean, well, that's I, I yeah, I think that's the the difficult um, that that's the hard to define part of it is that creative thought is so incredibly difficult to define. Yeah, I th- I think the main thing that. Uh, really defines i think what, what what really feels different maybe for you uh, between writing code and like writing a story is this sense that a story almost sort of comes to you because somewhat somewhat obviously you're writing it but you're pulling from a place where you have no control because you're it, it you, like, yeah right you you have no control over the source of the of whatever it is that that you're yeah. putting it into words. You're you're picking. I think partially that's the difference, but for me, it's also in, in web development, software development, in programming, and maybe that's why what, what I think creative thought is, is, or the exact opposite of this. In programming, there's always a right and wrong. Hmm. There's always, if you haven't done it the best possible way, there's always a better way of doing it until you reach a perfect point. In creative, because there's there's always a a good way to write a code. There's always a bad way to write. And yes, there's coding styles. Yeah. But when it goes through the compiler, there's a good way and there's a bad way. Uh, you can do that. Yeah. I mean, so much of when it comes to creative thought, when it comes to writing a story. Yeah. Um, I feel when when writing a story, when telling a story, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. There's a different way of doing it. But you can't say, I can't look at a painting and go, this is wrong. I can say, this no, actually, doesn't speak to me. Well, you could. See yourself not as the uh, perceiver of um, the outcome. See yourself in this, if we're going to draw this parallel, see yourself as the compiler. Some stuff will not compute with you. 
No, that's fair. But um, um, that's like something can be technically correct or wrong. Yep. But and in programming, that's where it ends. It can be technically correct or it can be technically incorrect. And you can have a gazillion reasons to build something technically incorrectly. I've only worked with startups in my life. Yeah. I've never built something technically perfect because you don't have the fucking time to do it. Right. You don't have the resources to sit down and write. I'm not going to go into technical details. No. But to write all your documentation and all your tests. You don't have the time for that. You need to release a product as soon as possible. Yeah. With art, um, so, so there's a reason to write technically incorrect things, but... It is that binary. This is either technically correct or this is technically incorrect. Okay. With art, I don't see it that way. Yes, you can, like, when you look at a painting, you can go, oh, they used this technique to paint well, it and they did that no, really well or badly. It's more vague, though. But the picture itself. Mm, I, I would say that art, uh, the, the goal of art is to, is to convey or to, um, <clears throat> to, to, fuck, to generate an emotion within the perceiver of it. Sure, but it, it, it won't... The thing is with programming, as soon as you run it through the compiler, it's always gonna it's gonna compile the same way, right? It's gonna it's always gonna if you run a function, it's always gonna do the exact same thing. If you look at the victory boogie woogie, for example, yeah, you know the victory boogie woogie. Uh, a, is it what? No. Okay, it, it's a paint, or it's and it's not even necessarily a painting. It's a work of art with a lot of um, colored squares. It's actually in the Hague. Oh fuck! Uh, I, I don't know this. Let me show it. Okay. I'll just uh, kill the time by uh, reading... Rapping. Uh, yeah, just rapping another song about who I want to uh, destroy. <laughs> this is about my good friend, J <coughs> John. <laughs> um, yeah, show me. Is it... But it's not a... Um, uh, who's the artist? Uh, Piet Mondrian. I thought so. So it is... Uh, okay. So if... I've seen a Mondrian. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is, uh, I think, his most famous piece. Okay. Then I've seen it. Okay, this is the victory boogie woogie, right? Sure. To me, it's also the signal that the TV yeah, shows in. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, this is nothing. Yeah. This does nothing to me. Sure. I don't feel anything. I f I feel like it's colored squares. I don't feel an emotion. It does nothing to me. People who love art, or people, other people. There are other people yeah. who can look at this and genuinely cry because they think it's so beautiful. Sure. That's where I think the creative part of um, creating yeah. is different in art than in programming. In programming, it's just right or wrong. It works or it doesn't. It's optimal or it's not. In art, it can be a gazillion things. It, yeah, well, I it can speak to you or it can't speak to you, and that's fine. But then there's levels of emotions. Of that course, it's but the, you're also... I mean, I think you're more... The code... Is not the art. The code is maybe the paint and brush. Mm. I think you're more zoomed. I think you zoom out a lot when you're talking about art because you're talking about the right. end product, which is what it does for people. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. technically, this this art can be perfectly done, as in the paint can be used properly, yeah. the brush can be used properly. Yeah. But then the outcome is like well, the, the, outcome... the product is so much different. In code, it's it's functional, right? Of course. I can write beautiful functional code for a product that's yeah. absolute garbage. You're, you're more within, if you we were to translate your craft into, say, music production, you would be more of an engineer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't, and, and I don't think engine, being the engineer is, is the creative part of that. Like that's what it. That's what for me the difference is between the creative part and the non-creative part. I well, make try, things. Yeah, I think makes. I make things work. I don't make things beautiful. 
Oh man, but there is a lot of overlap. But sure. And then when it my comes... songs with the wrong mix are ass. Sure. My my worst great songs bad mix ass song. Sure. Great song. Oh, sorry, bad song great mix could be a hit. Right. Um, and then sometimes the worst of both worlds still produce. <laughs> and then you but, s- and then you get mumble rap. I mean you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but eventually it's it's yeah what you're talking about with artist perception. Yeah. You're not speaking yeah. to people in a way when you code. Exactly. You're speaking to a compiler. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. then, I don't even know how we got there. Uh-huh. Um, to bring it back to, to creative <laughs> entrepreneurship, yeah. as we try to do. Um, I think everything we've talked about is something that creatives, and, and, and not even just creatives, because art and just creating, that's beautiful and that's lovely. And, and that's what makes you feel good. That's what you love doing. Yeah. If the entrepreneurship part of it doesn't come to you very easily, mm. that can be incredibly difficult. And I think it's yeah. important for us to also zoom in on that a little bit, on how to make that work and sure. how to still do what you want to do and still love what you want to do while also dealing with the non-creative parts of it, with yeah. the social part of it, with the entrepreneurship part of it, which we will do after a break. <laughs> okay, I, I agree. Yeah. All right, we're back. Okay, here to talk about the entrepreneurship. Yeah, part you wanted to creative entrepreneurship. You wanted to talk about the difficult part, um, the part that doesn't come naturally. Maybe I wanted to mostly. I want to give the listeners at least a little something they can use uh, in terms Man, of. I'm hoping they can use any of the rest. Jesus. Sure, but in in terms of we've we've experienced doing somewhat creative entrepreneurship for you more so I think than for me because I've been employed for a good two and a half years three Mm. years so for me that there's been a little less of that but I'm getting back into it now and I think there are certain things that have worked for us maybe individually maybe the both of us that we can give or that we can talk about that make that might make it easier or at least might allow someone to come up with their own solution yeah maybe because i'm not going to give anyone pers- a solution for anything no but they might we might be able to put them make on a- someone think about yeah. something yeah Ooh. give them a different view on the problem yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> christ my rapper ad libs came out um That's yeah good. you just do the rest in rapper ad-libs. In rap <laughs> all right no uh, no um, i won't but um yeah okay we can talk about that cool so i wanted to um ama <laughs> lord <laughs> I wanted to, I want to put it in context of this podcast. Yeah. Because then it helps me too. Okay. Uh, and because I think there's a lot of people out there who have a creative hobby, be it writing, painting, music, whatever. Yeah. And they want to take it to, I, w- I want to say the next level, but it doesn't have to be for anyone. But to a financial, they want it to sustain them. They want to make sure. money from it somehow. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be like, you know, this is what I live off of, but they might want to make a little bit of money off of it. Sure. With the podcast, that's obviously not my goal, but let's say that it is. Uh, I obviously want to reach as many people as I can because mm-hmm. I want as many people possible to hear the things that I have to say or that are in my mind and yeah. uh, of the people I'm interviewing. So let's say that that's true. Where do we start? With a framing of what all of this stuff really is. That's where we start. Damn. That's um, <laughs> not yet, oh, shit. but we'll get there. Well, I think it's, uh, it's important to highlight the things 
that maybe you're not thinking about if you're a creative right now and if you enjoy uh, the isolation of your uh, yeah of your, your creative craft. of your craft because that is both the thing that has allowed you to excel at a thing that isolationism that you know putting all of your efforts, time, and energy into getting something right yeah. as opposed to... Really throwing yourself at it. You're really throwing yourself at a thing and not... I mean, group dynamics are great and being a part of a group is great, but it allows for very little as opposed to being isolated. Self-exploration and practice in craft, right? Cre creation can really be a reclusive thing. Yeah, can be, definitely. I think for a lot of people yeah, is, especially creative so here's so here's uh, this is something I hope might help people because it took me a very long time to find out and maybe someone has given me this advice when I was in a f state of mind that I that I wasn't able to hear what I was saying but maybe you know if it's just one person um, at the end of the day the thing you do and the reason you do it is it's for it's for you yeah and you're a person hopefully <laughs> to all the dogs listening to all the dogs and blue whales get the fuck off this frequency <laughs> <laughs> how uh, are you listening yeah how are you getting any of this y you know it, it's really about the, this entire journey not only is it really about it can also only be about being human and the things you feel and experience you know, you you are confined to the context of what you are. Mm -hmm. You can um, only be you. Yeah, and also you can only be what you are. Yeah. Right? You can only be a uh, human or a dog or a blue whale. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's... I'm going to have to put a little bit of story into this, but for sure. me... That would be a first for this podcast. Yeah, of course. While you're interviewing <laughs> me, you cunt. Uh... It's also the only, the, yeah, I can, I can, hmm. so for me, I fell into that trap a lot where um, being isolated and doing a thing on the one hand was, you know, it starts off as a way of uh, feeling something without having to get those feelings and experiences from interactions with other people because the interactions with other people only make you feel bad maybe mm. for some reason. And somehow you can find things in isolation that make you feel good. And uh, often, well, actually, I don't know if that's often, but for me, that was music and media, you know. Right. And there's a, there's a, obviously, there's a certain um, magic. Actually, well, magic. Man, it's hard to put this, uh, to put the right words to this, but like eventually it's still the the things you're doing are still um valuable to you because they make you feel a certain way yeah <clears throat> now that's why they're valuable to you right. right i think it's it's easy to fall into the idea that it only has to make you feel a certain way to be worth something right because you're doing it for yeah. you yeah uh, and now we're okay so that's one part of it and then the other part of it is uh, the, th there's another 
there's just another idea we have to tackle and that is what money is right um th- yeah i found this very uh difficult to grasp for many years um because m- money is so intertwined actually value is so intertwined with um relations and collaboration between sure. people something that is especially the collaboration part are pretty alien to me yeah um this might be obvious to a lot of people but you have to add value for other people to generate money right yeah well if you're really skilled at generating value for yourself that's obviously a bit of a dead end if you're trying to make money with something um uh, depending well I'm not sure if that's true. It depends. Like, if, if you're really good at creating value for yourself, yeah. But that value, but other people feel the exact same thing. Then you're also creating value for them. It's yeah. not about the intent here. That's no, not no, what but, I'm but, saying. Yeah, no, exactly. The intent can obviously be to to do something that is of value to yourself. Yeah. And incidentally add value exactly. to other people's lives, of course. Yeah. But in the context of what we're talking about, which is um, the entrepreneurship part of it. Yeah. I I know that I have, in that state of wanting to be isolated, I've shunned a lot of people who, for whatever reason, rubbed me the wrong way. Sure. And not because I punched him in the face, um, but just because, just in energy and in response, I you know I've I've tended to be unforgiving to their behavior. Um. And you know you can sort of you you can the way you respond to someone sends a signal right I'm not. I've I've been good at sending the signals I intend to send, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of subspeak that comes with isolating yourself that you're not aware of. You right. you know you can sort of isolate yourself even when you're not trying to because it that comes so natural to you. Um. And there's you know a part of that uh, generating value for other people doesn't only come in the form of um, doing your craft or what your craft means to other people. So you can create a song that generates a lot of emotion for a bunch of people. Right. But in between you putting that song online, especially now that everything's flooded, and people actually getting to hear it, there is an industry Mm -hmm. filled with people that either wants to help you get that song spread across the world or don't right and th- i'm obviously i'm i'm putting this to <laughs> songs right now sure this is different when you're just working for a client if you want to be a designer and you want to work for a client you have to be good with clients yeah and that's it but it's the same thing really you know they might like your logo work yeah but if they don't like the way you work <laughs> yeah um if they don't if they don't if something uh, if if your participation in what they want to do doesn't make them feel good you're yeah. going to have a hard time man especially oh, yeah. now that so many people do the same thing yeah. you know there's someone else out there that also does something similar to what you do might not not even be as good but just mm-hmm. makes the person um that you have to do it with or for feel better about yeah. I don't know, their day or themselves or their lives. Yeah. There's, there's well, that. they need to be motivated 
some way to to work with you yeah i've, and no, it, I've and noticed it, with a lot of good people really good people mm -hmm. especially in in the, the engineering industry development industry uh they'll are they are willing to work with you even though you're extremely difficult to work with because you're so good mm. but you need to be so extremely good in order to to get there yeah uh, and now obviously the mark's a little bit difficult in development so they'll work with anyone yeah but yeah you need to you, you, that collaboration needs to go well too yeah you can't just make a really good product you need that collaboration to go well you need to be easy to work with i i don't think i'd be this um th yeah there's there's a side of me that that what we were talking about mimicking people and learning how humans work yeah which inherently is also learning about yourself because sure. you are one um i i think that is at the core uh what you need to do right on top of practicing your craft yeah you know you need you need to it's and it's not because you need to figure out other people so you can manipulate them it's you need to if you're not connecting with other people for some reason if or or if connecting with other people makes you feel uncomfortable dude go like you got to go figure out why that is yeah because sure it might piss you off even to the point where you get back into you know creating in isolation and you'll make something great but all of that greatness and all of that isolationism and all of that warm fuzzy feeling you get when you generate something that has the output you want yeah is to an industry rather worthless if you if you're just unreachable mm -hmm. and also there's nothing um it does happen but it's extremely rare rare and i think that's what, what people what, need what, to understand what is rare that working in complete isolation will still somehow get you the success that you're looking for because it does happen, sure. but it's so extremely rare. You you hear it like you see it in cases where these I wouldn't call them one hit wonders because mm -hmm. they tend to follow it up with great work. Because there are people who know how to work with creative people like that who can tell tell you, okay, you go work in isolation. I make sure everything else is covered. Sure. Right? That is obviously you, you do you, and I'll take yeah. the rest off you. But when you're starting, that doesn't exist for you. There is no one who's just going to be, oh, okay, yeah, you do you, and I'll just take all the business out of your hands. Because yeah. you need to have proven that you're worth something first to other people. Yeah, I mean, some, you know, you, uh, you can always get lucky and run into someone that's super Sure, ballsy. but let's let's assume that for 99% of people, of course. that doesn't happen. You have no. to do it yourself. And you also have to realize that, you know, even in, within that isolation isolationism, you have a character, yeah. right? And it can very well happen that your character still somehow uh, syncs up mm -hmm. with someone else. Yeah. I know a lot of people that have been very nice and forgiving to me, even though I've been a complete cunt mm -hmm. for you know, I don't know, a couple of years. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome for being able to put that one in there. <laughs> um, but I can't. No, but I mean, uh, we, we, well, we've been super forgiving to each other. Sure. Regardless of boy, oh boy, oh boy. Mm. Um, and you can even get so lucky that y you can lift each other up all the way. You can you sure. can you can do a bunch of things in isolation. Really, you can. It's not a death sentence. But it does make things a lot more difficult. It does make you less flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Less likely to be hired to do something. See, that's the thing that I've that I've noticed about freelancing, about about creative entrepreneurship. It's your craft is extremely important. You need to be very good at what you do. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But you also need a network. You need the right people. You need well, to. Well, that's actually, yeah, that was actually part one of the story that I didn't really get back around to. Yeah. Um, 
if you're not great in groups and with co- you know in, in collaborating with a bunch of people mm-hmm. uh you know that I, personally that's just annoying as is sure but when you start applying that to how the world economy works mm-hmm. you know money flows in between large groups of people yeah and you know, if I'm the, the only one working to generate some value to put in my pocket, um, I c- sure, maybe I can do that right. for an extended period of time. But if I work at a company where a bunch of people are working on it, on, I don't know, mul- a multitude of things that are generating value for other people or other companies, mm-hmm. there's t- you become a part, like you can tap into a stream of money that is flowing between groups that you yeah. can't really tap into if... Uh, if the buck stops with you because you're in that isolationist mode. What I mean by that is that money that flows into a company that is working with other companies, some of that money will, you know, seep into your pocket, but mostly the, and that'll seep back into the economy, but more of that money goes through companies and then ends up at other companies, which ends up at other. Right. There's this flow of money that has nothing to do with us as individuals. Um, and that has, I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, um, man, I, I really don't have the right words for this. I'm, cause I'm really, I'm learning about this as we go. I don't have all the answers, but I, I, I've noticed this, that, you know, the, 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 when you work when you're part of a group you'll or when when you are in a group whether or not you are accepted as part of the group mm-hmm. is pretty reliant on whether or not you um f- fulfill a, a a need of the group you know sure. you play a position yes. really and if you know how to do that you know if you know how to play a position you are are let's say there's a group of 20 people and you're 120th of that group you're adding value to yeah. 20 people's lives 19 yeah no oh, fuck 19 <laughs> <laughs> what did i say about math <laughs> no but you are adding value to 19 people's lives already yeah. at just just from participation yeah as to where if you are isolated you're adding value to you to you yeah which is fine by the way well, I, but see, that's that's not only. Wait, there's another aspect of that. If if you, if that group dynamic works for you, there's also 19 people adding value to your life. So yeah, it's, exactly right. And but if you don't have that experience, like somehow you need to. Obviously, if you're this isolationist thinker, if you're a creative that does things alone, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you've seen this happen around you and go and just at some point you just get pissed off. Like, God yeah. fucking damn it, man. Why aren't I part of this? Yeah. Or why is my part in this group always the one that I fucking... Like, why yeah. can't I just not... Why yeah. can't I be that guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you see people who you feel are worse at what you do get more successful than you. Oh, that happens so much. And that's... But I think that's a, that's an incredibly important... Like, obviously, luck is a part of it. Um, but connections... And that's that group dynamic. And that's not isolating yourself is so integral to your success. I get not wanting to do it because I don't either. Uh, and I I fight, like I struggle with it even now where 
I know I could be making more money. I know I could be more successful if I were more willing to go to meetings and to go to like to do talks. I've, I've been invited to do talks on like on certain development stuff. I just don't go because I don't want to because I don't want to be part of that group. I don't want to have to deal with that. If you do, hmm. that's where success is essentially because more people see you. There's you need a, you yeah. need to be in people's lives for them to want to give you money. Well, that's th exactly, and that's actually where uh, just to get back to value. So, if you start thinking of value not only as money, but just you know, if for for creatives, um, the the part where you're generating something, where you're creating something, gives you energy. That's yeah. what that's what adds value to your life, right? Or to you in that mm -hmm. moment. I would say normally for most people, um, or at least for people that, you know, in groups, um, the social dynamic adds value to your life. Sure. And I think for a lot of people, the social dynamic adds way more value, um, 19 people's worth maybe, mm -hmm. uh, if you're in that group, than the creative process could give to you, right? Sure. Uh, so I think for most people, or I, I think for people that don't do a creative thing, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, your, actually your, your father that did law, um, also people's business, yeah. um, got energy out of, out of that. And so there was, you don't think of it as value if you're in that position, I think it's, it obviously is valuable to you, but I think that if, 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 if group dynamics don't add value to your life, but create creation does, it's very normal. Yeah. And man, super obvious to gravitate towards that creating. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's all these different groups of people yeah. generating value for each other amongst each other. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of money flowing into that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think those are essentially the two parts of networking that are harder to understand or harder to immediately see, mm. but are integral to your success is that one working with other people allows you to grow as well because yep. people are adding value to your life yep uh and that's and i don't mean monetary value they'll help you get better at your craft or give you yep. a new point of view on life or on how to do your craft and secondary uh same for one-on-one -on -one relationships yeah absolutely yeah. and secondary um is that a network allows you to reach more people with your craft yep. it's not just them adding value to you the more people you know like the more people you know, the more people will give you a shot. Yep. Because if I know five people, maybe one of them will give me a shot. Yep. If I know 100 people, maybe 20 of them will give me yeah, a shot. Yeah. That's a lot more shots. Um, and I'm going to screw people. up 90% of them. Yeah. Right? So a lot of more people will give you a shot at success. Because people are willing to do that. I love introducing someone who's really good at something to other people. You know, that's actually another part of it. Adding value to someone else's life is also is also like energetically energetically yeah. rewarding everyone likes yeah. doing something for someone else because it, it's it's a bonding experience yeah it is well not let's say not everyone <laughs> well, not everyone <laughs> the for average anyone. person yeah no uh, yeah, yeah that's absolutely true yeah. and i think that's eventually with art and with creative work that's at least for me that's always been a goal i can create this podcast in isolation and listen to it myself and be like wow i said some really smart things that's great <laughs> but it doesn't do anything no well, Only not for anyone else. Not for anyone else, but even then for me, I'm like, yes, I've said, a, okay, I've said smart things. That's great. It's only when other people listen to it yep. and you have this interaction, you have this feedback, that's when it becomes 
a thing that's bigger than me. Yeah. And that's essentially, for me at least, that's the goal with creation, is to create something that maybe not outlives me, because that's a little bit extreme, but at least is bigger than me, can exist without me, yep. that lives its own life. People listen to that, they might, you know, with art, so my sister is, is an artist, a painter, by talking to other people and showing her work to other people, they might be like, oh, I know a guy who owns a gallery. You can, you know, show your work there. Shows her work there. They know someone who can show the work. More people see your stuff. So you have more impact. Yeah. And I understand. And for me, it's the exact same way. Um, that's also why I find it way more difficult with web development because that's so much like I sit by a computer. I write code. Give me money now. I feel like the creation part of it is less fulfilling than this or than art. Um, by doing that, you fulfill the part of you that wants other people to see it more. And it's difficult because you don't want to be networking because you want to be doing your art or your craft. You want to be focused on that. You want to get as good as you can at doing that or just create as much as you can. And I get that. But by giving yourself the opportunity to reach more people, and it's it's really something you have to learn by doing it because I can tell a thousand people to do this and they'll be like, yeah, but I want to do my craft. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> by doing it, you'll notice how much energy it eventually gives you, even though it's tiring as hell. It makes your craft a lot more powerful. Every hour, it's it multiplies the energy that you put into your craft because every hour that you put into your craft suddenly is worth a lot more when a thousand people see it or 10,000 people see it yeah. and feel something but it's also, than it, when only you see it or when only your friends see it. But there's a very uh, easy proof of concept of this that we've all experienced and that's just... Think of every time you got inspired by what someone else once created. Exactly. You know that you don't, you aren't aware of it because it speaks to you. It feels to you know, uh, music, for instance, speaks to you so directly that you feel connected to the artist. But yeah, you know, at a, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure, or you are probably at an age where you've become aware of the fact that any piece of information or anything that reaches you, especially from way outside of yeah. your direct environment has to go a long way to get oh, yeah. all the way to you. Yeah. And think of, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. And the, the, the people that, I'll use Eminem as an example. Sure. You know, so much had to happen for that scrawny white kid in Detroit to reach a scrawny white kid in Dolphsa oh, over yeah. the ISIL. So many people within different industries had to come together to get his message all the way to me. Yeah. That it's it's it was and has been and would be foolish of me to think that somehow, you know, his isolated effort did that for me. No, everyone's yeah. everyone's effort in that process, whether or not they intended to reach me or for selfish reasons, doesn't matter. Everyone's input in that yeah. in the process of getting that music from him to me added value to my life. Yeah, and I think if you look at it from that perspe perspective, if someone inspired you to do something and you want to inspire other people, do the work. Yeah. The other stuff doesn't feel like work. This is the work. Yeah. Eventually it pays off. Hopefully. Or not. <laughs> it doesn't really matter though. Love the process because if you don't love the process, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. I think that's key. What? Loving the process. Yeah. Um, and make it something because I do that too. I don't, I've said it a gazillion times in this podcast. I don't like the freelance part of freelance web development. Yeah. So I, you know, I find a way to make it doable. 
yeah. right? I tell myself, okay. And it's, it's as simple as setting up a schedule for myself as saying, okay, cause you can be doing freelance work all day. You can be taught emailing clients every half an hour and then do a little bit of work and then email something mm -hmm. and then send a message. I don't do that anymore. I read my emails when I wake up in the morning at nine. Yeah. I work till one. I have lunch. I read my emails. I send the messages, send the emails that I need. I work till five. I send a couple more emails and I'm done. Yeah. Right. Depending on when you start and finish, because I rarely start at nine, but that's essentially the schedule. Yeah. It means that the freelance part of my work is extremely isolated. I only do it when I'm not doing the stuff that I love doing. So it doesn't come intertwined. It doesn't make what I want to do seem less fun because I'm constantly distracted by other things. And it's still very productive. Yeah, it means that I'm not always reachable. When a client really wants to reach me, they have to call me. My phone is normally on silent. So there's a chance that, you know, within two hours, I'll get a phone call back, but not anytime sooner than that. Yeah. There's a chance of that but it does mean that I can be productive. So it's something that simple or finding an efficient way or a nice way to email people. Find the right tools. Don't spend all your time finding the right tools. We've and been there. We've been there. <laughs> yeah. Scheduling to schedule doesn't work. No. But also that is actually, because yeah, we say that, but it's also a process. I think that's also something sure. you learn by fucking up. True, but there's, for a lot of these jobs, uh, and I'm talking about freelance work now, but also for creative work, for a lot of this, there is a process that's been proven to work most of the time. Mm. There are blogs out there that you can read. Of course. Take those, take that advice, take those tools, use it to your advantage and to make sure. To a degree. To a degree, sure. Don't let it, don't let it take over from what, you, like what works for you and what no. you feel will work for you. I, th I think. But also give it a chance. Yeah, of course. Well, that's the thing. I think actually that's all of it. Give it a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look at successful people. Surround yourself with, with successful people who have earned what they do and oof, where they oof, came. Oof. I don't know about that one, buddy. I, I truly believe in that. And I, and I have that with my father as well. Yeah. I don't take advice anymore from people who are less successful than me. Because well, what is successful? Well, successful in what I want to reach, right? So if, if I want to be, um, if I want to reach a million people, yeah. And I'm reaching a thousand. Yeah. I'm not going to take advice from someone who's reaching a hundred people who haven't, who hasn't shown that he can do what I want to be doing. I You're take not advice. You wouldn't take advice from them on that. On that particular no, thing. No yes. other advice but, is fine, yeah. but just, just know that the people below you on the ladder that you're climbing might still have valuable insights. They might do, but there's a lot of people who will have insights where you're like, eh. Yeah, you, it, it hasn't been proven to work yet. When the people mm -hmm. above you on the ladder do have information of course. that will help you get of where course, they are. Of I mean, and then I'm, pass I'm, it on, obviously. obviously. But, like that's <laughs> Actually, maybe the passing on part even more so than anything else. Because the people yeah. above you were also passing on. Yeah, no, but that's exactly like yeah. pay it forward. Yeah. Um, but that's an important part as well. I've always had, in web development, I've always had mentors. I've always had, they don't know that they, that is what they are to me. Actually, wanna, but I've always had that. For a second, I'd like to tackle that just for sure. a minute. I remember so often learning something new. Mm -hmm. This is before the internet was so open, but learning something new and thinking, all right, I'm not going to tell this shit to anyone because this yeah. gives me the, this the is my advantage. edge. This is my yeah. edge. It's never your edge. It's never your edge. No. And you also, no. you're a, you're a fucking dyke. If you think that, yeah. I mean, how, cause it's nah, sorry to make a dyke, but I mean, <laughs> I'll fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Trying to be politically correct. Yeah, I'm not. I know. Yeah. But, um, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect, no. but just con I'm just trying to convey that um, 
you know, I felt I've I felt that so often, and and now I, you know, I'm like, God, man, you idiot, because you, it's one, it's part of that insecurity, yeah, and that insecurity probably stems from not understanding how these dynamics work in the first place. Mm-hmm. You can see that in retrospect, it's difficult to to see that up front, yeah. And who the hell am I? What have I reached? I'm not. Maybe I'm not even to whoever's listening. Maybe I'm not above you on your ladder. Um, Hopefully, at least entertaining them. Yeah, but that that idea that you have an edge because of information, maybe twenty years ago. No, but I mean, uh, surely you can have information that other people on your level don't, and it might help you. But it screws not sharing it screws you in so many more ways than that it helps you. Yeah. I have I I have an unlimited amount of people who want to help me yeah. because I've helped them in the past because I've given them something that I learned or well, that I in that got. case it's limited if that's the no it's unlimited oh wow I have a, I have I have a I have so many people in my life who are willing to help me whenever I need help because I've helped them too because I've given them something that might have helped them you're exchanging value. Yeah, no, but that's that's exactly w- what it what it is at that point. You don't need to see it that utilitarian, like you don't need to be that no. direct about it because it also just makes me feel good to help people and to give them advice or to give them something that I have gotten that helped me a lot yeah. and paid forward, but it does pay itself back as well. And they're going to have something at some point that you don't have. That's actually And the they're going to give it to you. I hopefully. Yeah, I'm going to say something that I haven't ever thought about. I'm just just coming to me now. But I, I don't think I ever frame it that way for myself, nor have we ever framed it that way in a conversation. Because we talk about adding value, mm-hmm. but it's it really is exchanging. Oh yeah, and not with, not just not with indiv- like, I mean you can exchange value with individuals, but I think the practice of exchanging value, as a practice, mm-hmm. that is that comes so unnatural to the isolationist. I think that might be the best. Thing yeah. to practice. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet. Um, sorry, the best thing to practice if you're bad at that part, if you're bad at communicating with people. I saw a tweet the other day that um, I found very inspiring and cool, um, which was so someone had tweeted they had reframed their goals. Sure. Instead of uh, succeeding as, at something they wanted to succeed. Uh, a, a number of times I mean, mm-hmm. within a year they they told themselves i want to be um rejected at least 20 times this week or That's this good. month or whatever yeah which is a lot easier but it it, it i i thought it was kind of cool and also she shared some results and it had worked out great for her because sure. she got rejected less and he, she had like two talks out of it or whatever yeah. but that that's that part of the tweet less effective right because you are so much more likely to get rejected that, um, you know, if you make it about the process, if you, like, that's a pretty, like, decent, you know, getting rejected 20 times means you have to try 20 times. Mm-hmm. And that means you have to do it 20 times. Yeah. Which is something very, if you think of it in terms of how am, how am I going to succeed 20 times, you're going to, think it through a lot yeah and if you're used to isolating yourself you're going to be thinking even way more because oh, that's yeah, you're gonna that, yeah it. It, because it feels yeah. natural to you to go all right well put it all together and yeah. you know, write it down a sheet and a little google document and yeah you're gonna it. figure it all out i'm gonna figure it all out yeah. and then you just, no 
because other people are failing 19 times and succeeding once and you're in your you know and you're this still is f funny enough this is the exact something that has no well actually has a lot to do with entrepreneurship this is the exact principle of um agile development and business development hmm. is i can do it in isolation perfectly and then release it and see that no one gives a shit yeah or i can build it in public have it be shit and have people tell me that it's shit but yeah. then at least i know what part of it is shit and then continue building it and then have people give me feedback etc 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 that's that exchange and keep failing and keep failing that's and keep the failing. exchange of value at work yeah you're you're adding value to people's yeah. lives who want to respond to it yeah people but that I, don't I, want to respond to it won't and people no. that do will have something to respond to and i like the like the idea of exchanging value with the goal of adding value yeah so it shouldn't for me it's never helping someone has never been to get something in return no it's always been the result. Yeah. Every single time, it's been the result. But it's never been my goal. No. I've always just wanted to help someone. I've just always wanted to yeah. add value to someone's life. You enjoy the process. You enjoy the process. Yeah. And and in that, it's I'm not going to say it's selfish, but it's not selfless. It doesn't have to be. As it happens, it make it's make it's making me happy. Yeah. Because I feel good for having helped someone. Yeah. Which is fine. Which is lovely. And That's it's fine perfect. If other people have that too. It's incredibly human. Wow. That's how we all work. But it is also exchanging value in the in the long run, yeah. and that's that's where the isolationist walks into a wall every single time, because yep. he doesn't have that, or they don't have that. They're gonna build it, and it's gonna be done, and they're gonna be happy with it, and then they're gonna show it to the world, and the world's not gonna give a shit, because yeah. they done. haven't talked to anyone about yeah. anything while they're doing it. I think I want to end it there. Yeah, I think we should, because we've covered we've covered a lot. Yeah. Some of it relevant, some of it pretty I think, out there. I think all of it's relevant if you want to get it in the right context. Yes. Yeah. And what I am wondering yeah. and what I'm hoping will happen, um, I really want to know how other creatives think. Yeah. Because, and this is part of the isolationist in me, I talk to you a lot. Yeah. I talk to very specific people a lot. but I, And I listen to very specific podcasts. <laughs> But I very rarely just throw it out there. Right. I very rarely just talk to people who are creationist or creationists, <laughs> who, are, <laughs> who are creative. Who are gods. Yes. Yeah. Who are creatives um, that I have nothing to do with otherwise. And we very rarely talk about this part of it, yeah. the struggles and the way of thinking and the mental process. Because other creatives will talk to you about their work, right? Or about a client or about a project because everyone's doing their project. Everyone's on something yep. and they want to sell it because they need to. But it's rare to talk to a creative about the process really and about the m mental process and what it takes to overcome some of these things. So thank you for being here, man. This was a good conversation. Thank you for having me. All right. That was the second episode of Note to Self. Thank you guys for listening. Reach out to me uh, on at Note to Self Pod on pretty much any social medium or go to note to self pod.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>